Welcome to the POV Hamilton podcast, where we're talking to innovators, educators, leaders, and builders across the Steel City. We have the most diversified economy in Canada, and there are hundreds of stories waiting to be told of the people, the companies, and the organizations making it happen. Here's whose point of view you'll be listening to today. My name is Kelly Dore, and I'm a PhD researcher, and I'm co-founder at Altus Assessments, and I'm also the VP of Growth there. And I'm David Carter. I am the Executive Director of the Innovation Factory. So in terms of a background, I'm a PhD researcher, as I mentioned. My background is in cognitive psychology and health professions education. So I actually grew up at McMaster from nursery school all the way to completing my PhD and becoming a faculty member there. I'm still an adjunct professor in the Department of Medicine, their Division of Innovation and Education, Uh, but primarily now I I focus on Altus Assessments and helping us innovate and grow. So at Altus, we believe in creating a world served by exceptional professionals, and we believe that higher education plays a critical role, and we need to help these programs better select and train their trainees to become these exceptional professionals. So we support programs and learners using admissions assessments and a suite of in-program tools to help combine their data in a way that allows them to add more pixels into their picture to get a clearer image of who their applicants are and the strengths and limitations of their program. So Altus Assessments was formed in 2015. Uh, It actually came out of McMaster University, though, where myself and my co-founder, Harold Ryder, were both professors. We worked in their department of uh, medicine, and we both worked in the field of admissions. We were trying to improve their admissions process. So while we were there working with their admissions team, we realized that there was an incredible gap in their admissions process. And that was the fact that we couldn't assess applicants to medical school based on who they are as a person. We were reliant simply on their grades and their performance on things like the MCAT, a standardized test of their medical knowledge. But really that doesn't tell the story of who the person truly is or really in all honesty of everything that we want in a physician. When we send our kids, our parents, our loved ones to a physician, we want them to be smart, absolutely. But we also want them to be empathetic, good communicators, good collaborators with the whole professional team. And so what we did in creating solving a problem at McMaster, we realized that we could solve problems internationally. So our company is made up now of 140 Altons. And while our footprint is primarily in Ontario, we have a remote first work environment, which allows us to have employees across Canada. We also have two employees in Australia and the US. So when I start first working on uh, our solution, which is called Casper, which is a measurement of someone's personal and professional attributes as they apply to medical school, It was actually the side project I was doing while I was also doing my PhD. And so you can tell right from the beginning that this was a passion project for me. Finding people who are not only incredibly knowledgeable and smart, but who are also incredibly good humans to make up our physician workforce is something that I know will make a difference to me, not only as somebody who's navigated the healthcare journey with their family and friends, but as somebody who sees the contribution that they can actually have to creating a community and serving that community. And so as we go through and our company grows, our purpose doesn't change. 
Our purpose of creating a world served by exceptional professionals hasn't evolved. Our passion and purpose remains the same, but we've just found out better ways to do it. And so I think always being able to follow that, that passion is something that's incredibly important. And what we've been able to do is sort of evolve understanding who somebody is and how we can get that information across so that they're evaluated on more than just their book smarts. Innovation is absolutely the core foundation of our business. Our company values are caring, curious, and driven, all of which are needed to be thoughtful and purpose-driven in the things that we innovate. So our business is really to think about how we can do things differently. We started from our first assessment that we offered, thinking about how we measure people's personal and professional attributes differently. But really, as a company, we're driven to figure out how we can learn, decide, and act quickly. And whether that's adding new products or evolving how we can better serve our purpose um, with our programs or with learners, that's an incredible critical part. And as moving from a startup to a scale-up, without innovation, there's no way that we can compete in this market. So we are, innovation becomes critical in order for us to succeed. My co-founder and I are both professors at McMaster University, and we developed a solution that we thought was incredibly innovative and would solve problems not just at our own institution, but actually internationally. But if I'm honest, we really didn't know what to do next. We knew how to do the research. We knew how to develop the assessment and do a good job and share that with our peer academics. But we really didn't know how to turn that into a company or even if it was viable to turn into a company. And so that's where we turned to Innovation Factory and said, help, uh, we, we don't know what the next steps are. We don't know even what the right steps are in front of us. So Innovation Factory for us became critical because truly without it, we would probably be left with an incredibly interesting assessment that was left at the uh, university, but with no real way to make it uh, usable by any other institutions. Yeah, this is this one was so exciting for me. I wasn't the executive director then. I was an executive in residence, which essentially means a paid consultant. I mean, I was intrigued by the whole thing too, because of course, you know, there is a ton of testing, but it doesn't tell you who the human is. And Kelly told the story then like she tells it now, where who wants their doctor to just be book smart and test smart? We want them to be good human beings with empathy and all those things. So I immediately saw the value. They had done a ton of work on the technologies, which I think is why I came in first to understand them as a SaaS-based business, right? Deliver, delivered through the cloud. Um, and because it's, you know, in that first iteration was all about um, entrance into the university, um, obviously lots of security questions and all kinds of things. Um, but the thing that struck me the most is they knew they needed help. I mean, we see so many people um, that are so caught up in the idea and they believe that it's 90% there, right? right? We, we solved the problem. How do we make millions of dollars? They understood that the journey was going to be really tough, that there was going to be a big checklist of things to do. And we're asking for help. And that's, you know, that makes someone coachable. That's our, that's our favorite client. And so, and Kelly remains one of our favorite clients. So when we first reached out to Innovation Factory, as I said, 
we were naive, but luckily I think we had some insight into how naive we were from a business perspective. And so we leaned on Innovation Factory for everything from simple things like a place to come and meet. So we felt like we could come and have specific meetings that were related to the product and related to the potential company to really helping us find a CEO who could help us really launch the company and also helping us work with the university to actually commercialize this product. Universities are incredible at commercialization oftentimes, but because we were talking about ed tech, I think it was seen as something a little bit different. As Dave said, you know, we, we had an internet-based, um, cloud-based product, which was really innovative. And I think nobody knew quite what to do with it or what bucket it fell into. And so that's where Innovation Factory could play that key role of helping us navigate that sort of untrodden path. Um, how do we take this product that we really believed in out of the university in order to actually do it justice? When it's sitting in the university, it's, you know, most of the time being done off the side of somebody's desk. Um, and that's, you know, something that while it works for a short period of time, you can't scale that. And so I think from the very beginning, Innovation Factory had the vision and the lens of the need to scale this, um, but also how do we put in place a process for a business, not just in terms of the actual incorporation, but how do we create a advisory board? How do we start to make sure that we have the steps and processes in place that we can use to make sure that we've got our you know, feet right in front of us, which as we moved on now to we've just done our first acquisition this summer, all of those things from the very, very beginning had to be the right steps and the right one foot in front of the other in order to allow this process to actually happen. Early on, Harold and Kelly, um, you know, we're building this for McMaster. So at, at first, this was really aimed and lensed at McMaster University. So there was a lot of work too in negotiating with the university to say, how can we extract this and make it a company when you know some of this was being built with McMaster staff. So um, you know it wasn't as simple as saying let's start a company. You know, um, Harold and Kelly really had to sort of know what and, and what should extract it and what should remain. Uh, yeah, I need to say first, my role was pretty trivial. I came on early on as an exec, um, executive residence and became the executive director, so really didn't do much. But uh, one of our executives and residents we brought in was Bernard Lim, who's instrumental with the company today. And Bernard not only understands the life science industry, he understands commercialization. He's got a wealth of experience. So I think, you know, if we're going to tap somebody at Innovation Factory and helped out, it was, it was definitely Bernard in terms of, um, you know, understanding the full breadth of things and, and helping them pick the right candidate for the CEO. And I would add, um, you know, absolutely, Dave, I wouldn't underestimate your role there because I think you did have, some, we did have some really good conversations. And then as executive director, you've continued to sponsor us um, and promote us, which I think has been incredibly helpful. So from the role that Bernard's had, uh, he remains the chairman of our board, uh, helping us through our startup scale up life. Um, but also with that, I think, a whole bunch of different pieces of the network within Innovation Factory have been really helpful for us. So uh, we've had the, the women in, in tech group that Innovation Factory has sponsored that I've not only had the opportunity to attend, but was even asked to speak at, which was just for my own professional identity, a really amazing opportunity to evolve um, and, and feel that I could bring something back to the table and give back to the industry that it's 
you know, supported us so much as we go through. Um, I think also finding out not just um, other people who are going through the same pain points as us, as we're walking through some of the early stages of our journey, you know, we're not alone in this, that there's other people who are feeling pain points in this. Um, And then Innovation Factory has created this network where we can actually share back. I'll say that now, uh, even now still, as I have just uh, been honored to to get a, a place on their board at Innovation Factory to help other companies, that network continues to grow. Being able to talk to people who are part of the, the Synapse group who are doing incredible things, um, it really is amazing to me, sort of the touch and the outreach that Innovation Factory has as a network to help you find people, like-minded people, even if your businesses look kind of different, who understand the same pain points that you're going through and who you can sort of share lessons learned with. Yeah, Kelly's been great as being part of the ecosystem, right? There's some people that just sort of sit and listen and, and get taught and then some are participants and Kelly's been a great participant. I know um, the team at Altus has participated in other incubators and other resources around uh, the province and they've been really good at coming back to us and saying, this program's really good. We could probably use it here in Hamilton or this program's really good, but there's not as as big a need. You should send companies you know, to this place and and treat it like, you know, this is an event for Canadian companies, not not just Hamilton. So Kelly's been, you know, whatever we've put out there, Kelly and Kelly's given back to us. I think from early days, uh, we worked with some folks at Innovation Factory to help us even figure out what was our go-to-market plan. Um, you know, well, we had a solution that was worked for one university, taking that solution, you know, in an isolated context and actually coming up with a go to market plan. And what's our mission and what's our vision? Innovation Factory has sat down with us and helped us brainstorm and, and work through what that would be and could be um, until we got something that was a little bit more workable. And those were very, very early days. Um, I think as well, uh, Innovation Factory helped us find some of the grants. Uh, through the Ontario Centers of Excellence, uh, SOFI grants and other grants through uh, the provincial and federal governments that we could access that in all honesty, we would have had no idea that they even existed or that we could leverage them. Um, And I think they also encouraged us to go back to McMaster and say, you know, is there a way that you can help sponsor us in a very small way initially Um, you know, where I think we would have maybe been a little bit nervous to do that. Innovation Factory sort of helped us frame that and helped us frame the how this is going to help McMaster grow if we grow as a company too. Yeah, you know, and we see that a lot with with entrepreneurs. They're afraid to ask for money. Uh, They don't don't value themselves enough. Um, And so I remember, you know, um, Harold and Kelly sort of saying that uh, McMaster values this a lot, right? You guys are rock stars. You show that something can be built inside the university and then thrive outside of it. So I think um, I think that's a really important thing. Again, you know, Kelly Quick Study picks up on all this stuff and makes it happen in, in a business. But, you know, so often we, we sort of, you know, there's almost this uh, imposter syndrome where we're like, I couldn't possibly charge for that, could I? Yep, you're an executive and working for a company definitely could charge or at least show value for that. 
And Dave, I'll also add that from an imposter syndrome perspective that I feel like we all have imposter syndrome at some point, I was ripe with imposter syndrome. As somebody who came from academia, I eventually a few years ago made the transition to working at the company full-time, being adjunct, moving from being a professor at McMaster and trying to help the company, um, you know, evenings, weekends, and any spare moment I had to actually being full-time at the company and becoming an adjunct professor. I had a lot of imposter syndrome. And I think that's where Innovation Factory has allowed me to help share my journey, understand that I can bring this value back to other people, that there are, um, you know, through the incredible opportunities Altus has been able to have, I've been able to learn a lot, but I can bring that back and share that with other people. And I think that ability to build your professional identity as an entrepreneur is something that I've done you know, primarily through Innovation Factory, you know, allowing them to, you know, help guide me on, you know, where I can add value and, and you know, the things I can speak to that's maybe a little bit unique. So recently, actually, Kelly was uh, added to our directors, and I think it's because of all the contributions she's made and making sure that whatever she received, she paid back tenfold. And so uh, Kelly just joined our board, so we're really looking forward to um, getting things back from her then. Um, you know, Altus is a size of company where we see them less and less um, because they don't need advice like, gosh darn it, how do we do accounting? Because got a CEO and hundreds of staff. Um, but, you know, Kelly stays connected in terms of asking how she can help and uh, and has that relationship that's less, you know, client services, intake meetings and stuff like that. And I feel like it's, it's more, you know, she's a friend of Innovation Factory and can pick up the phone anytime. Absolutely. I think... Um... Today, I would say that Altus, uh, as a company, maybe does less, you know, hand-holding meetings with Innovation Factory, which we needed in the early days. But we still come back, and primarily me, um, particularly having such a strong connection to Hamilton and McMaster uh, and Innovation Factory, not only am I hoping to give back, but I also, every time I work with Innovation Factory, I'm learning, I'm, whether that's learning about myself or learning about understanding the lens of other companies and, and where some of the gaps are in terms of both how people are thinking about things, et cetera. I love having the chance to talk to some entrepreneurs one-on-one -on -one who are very similar to us in the early days of the journey. Um, particularly, you know, people who are, are not sure if they're going to make it or not sure if they can make that transition over and just sharing my experiences and, and hopefully bolstering a little bit of confidence. So Altus moved from a single product company when it first started that evolved out of McMaster University to a company that now has diverse multiple products, both that have been grown in-house and also those have, that have been licensed externally. So moving us in the journey from just the admissions or selection phase in higher education all the way through somebody's journey. And that's accelerated in this past few months as we've acquired our first company. Uh, it's actually another Canadian company that started out of UBC, and we were able to merge the two Canadian companies to create something that we think you know, is greater than the sum of its parts, where we can better support our learners and support our programs through the understanding of data and under contextualization of data so they can take action on the findings that they have. From a business standpoint, Altus uh, was named one of the companies to watch by Deloitte Technologies Fast 50, and this year was ranked number 31 on their list of fast 
50 tech companies and also the Globe and Mail's list of top growing tech companies. We've made that the last three years. So as a company uh, who was originally bootstrapping itself for the past many years, um, we also had our first um, financial partnership in a, in a small way with a growth equity firm to help do the acquisition, uh, but we remain a Canadian company and, and will be. For us as a company, being academic-backed and having academic-backed research was critical to being able to even penetrate the market uh, in the first place. So our relationship with McMaster University and having grown and developed uh, the product within McMaster was incredibly critical for us as well. McMaster is known as a place of innovation. Um, and that's a relationship that we were able to leverage and grow, not only just from our product, but from the, the standpoint of McMaster, that people look to McMaster for the types of innovations that they do um, and how they can help support other programs. So for us, that was a critical piece. Um, and it remains a critical relationship for us, both with the folks at McMaster University, but also from a research perspective, unlike other uh, ed tech or SaaS companies, we actually have an incredibly strong research division. Um, and so the research back nature of our, our products and what we do and how we offer it is something that's central. And all of that started in Hamilton at McMaster. Yeah, I think Altus is doing what they need to do in terms of being uh, so virtual, not just because of COVID, but because of the internationalness of, of their company. And when you're a SaaS-based company like this that's delivering products online, you have to be able to have people in various places. Sometimes we get a little hung up, like, do they all have a, are they all McMaster grads and Ticat season holders, season ticket holders? Um, I think what we really see is that, um, you know, when the founders are from Hamilton and the founders are supporting some institutions, it helps us spawn more and more companies. And, you know, we've seen companies get acquired by U.S. Uh, venture capital firms and everything completely disappearing. We're thrilled that, you know, everything remains Canadian after even the last round and that they acquired Canadian companies because that's the kind of energy we want to stay focused in Canada, even better focused in Hamilton when it can be. But for the most part, you know, if we keep building the Canadian economy, um, a lot of those jobs will land in Hamilton. Some of those jobs will be spread out around the world because those companies are successful around the world. I think for us, the, the future has really been, you know, laid out a little bit by the acquisition we were able to do this summer. We know that, you know, early days we were running an assessment that provided data points, but data without context is really, really hard for people to apply. And so what we're trying to do in the future to actually create this world served by exceptional professionals is to not just provide data points on selecting or data points on how to nurture people once they're in your program or evolve your program, but to put that data together in a way that programs and learners can actually take action on it. And what that means is that we're interested in not only evolving higher education, but we see opportunities definitely outside of healthcare, which is our primary market right now. But across higher education, we have a lot of teachers education, uh, teacher selection that we do in Australia and growing in other areas. Obviously, you know, you can't think of a profession that doesn't uh, excel when you have good communicators or people who are good at collaborating with their teammates, et cetera. So the opportunity for this is, is really wide open. And so I think that combining both data and expanding across different verticals is, is what you're going to see from us in the future. 
I think the timing on this was amazing too, because a lot of businesses realized this during COVID. So it's not that this was, you know, a, a COVID uh, response, but certainly during COVID, people realized that I need to know what my staff can can handle this and can work remotely. And I need to know more than just were they the right candidate and how you know can teams work together. So this is just a great example of, you know, uh, a business skating where the puck is going to be, not where the puck is now, and setting themselves up for, you know, way more success than we're even seeing now. During the pandemic, we actually had a great opportunity because we were an online assessment to begin with. Uh, and so we've had several years of running things online that I think helped us set up set up for success. So again, many of the early pieces of infrastructure or communication or the way we organized things and, and had sort of our eye on the ball from a strategy perspective, you know, early on setting up both the, the advisory board meeting cadence and things like that um, were all critical to sort of seeing as the pandemic happened and as it continued to happen. Uh, you know, I think we were all hoping after a month or two, we, we would be done with it. But one of the things is that we were able to sort of still keep our eye on that ball from a horizon perspective that we were thinking about the next 12 months, but also the next 18 months and also about the next three years at the same time and sort of seeing how those plans changed and evolved. From our perspective, obviously we became remote preferred, but I think our our commitment to our employees, which is again, qualities that are embedded in our company purpose to begin with, made sure that we had, you know, great online supports for all of our employees, um, that we were able to continue to support all of our customers, whether they were applicants or programs who were all going through chaos at the same time. And in fact, actually find ways to provide supports that maybe weren't needed before as different examinations and different pieces of assessment or admissions processes could no longer happen. Uh, interviews pivoted to online, et cetera, where people didn't maybe have as much confidence in their process. We were able to support those programs and make sure that the learners also had an opportunity to present themselves in a, a fair and defensible way. So some of the key lessons that we've learned, uh, and again, starting from the very, very early days, is to make sure you set a company culture and then you continue to support that. And one thing we learned, and even though we were told this, it was sort of hard to anticipate, is that you can't keep the company culture the same as the company grows. Um, and the same is obviously true for when we pivot to remote during the pandemic is it's hard to keep that company culture. But when you have a focus on your employees um, and you have a focus on things, you sort of start to realize the things you need to do in order to keep the core principles of your culture the same. And so one of the biggest pieces of that that we learned from very early on is the key around communication. Um, I actually love the quote from uh, George Bernard Shaw that says the biggest, single biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's taken place. And so one of the things that we've learned to do is focus on actually over communicating um, and acknowledging when our culture does change um, because of the size of the company or things that we've had to do and ch choices that we've had to make, we, we've been able to talk about it and communicate it. One of the other things, and I remember this from an early meeting at Innovation Factory, was to be critical of these golden opportunities that come your way, but that actually take you way off course from your strategy. So sometimes, you know, a really important program would come to us and say, hey, can we use your assessment in this really weird way? Or can you do this other thing for us? 
And it sounds really appealing because we would get to work with this prestigious university and um, we would get to have their you know, name associated with us. But it was so different from what we were actually trying to do in the use case we were actually trying to promote that it would have actually been incredibly detrimental. So the way to look at those opportunities sort of critically, if they don't quite align with you and make sure that you're not wasting hours of time um, you know, on pieces that, that actually don't help your company grow. I just love the story because right from the get-go, they knew that a company was a lot of different people. And, you know, I always joke whenever I'm teaching uh, academics how to pitch, it's like, I know this is your life's work and I know that you've put everything into this. It's just the product. We still have to sell it. We still have to promote it. If no one knows it exists, it doesn't, it's not a company, that there's so many things that need to go on to be a company. And, uh, you know, these guys were ready for that right out of the gate. I think, um, you know, you can also put your head down and just start working on the company and get lost in your company and your own personal validation. And I think Altus is all Kelly specifically has always done a great job of, you know, putting their head up, looking around, participating in other things and being really critical of themselves in terms of, you know, just Kelly's last statement. Should I chase this? This seems like a shiny object. So, you know, the more self-aware you are, the more you sort of take yourself out of just looking at it through your lens and looking at it through the customer's lens, I think, I think is what's going to lead you to success. And that's fundamentally their, their business too, right? They're testing people that they can look at in the early days, you know, uh, the practice of medicine through more than just a clinician that you're also going to be, you know, a human and uh, someone with some empathy. So I think they practice what they preach for sure. So what I want people to remember about Altus is that um, this is a long journey. We're talking about them now that they're successful and it's not a name that most average businesses would know, um, which is one of the reasons why we're talking about them now. It's a story that should be heard because it's a story that's going to inspire a lot of other companies. Kelly won't even tell you that the extra level of difficulty she added for herself personally was to have a child at the beginning of all this when things were completely as, as much mayhem as you could have in a situation. Kelly just sort of notched it up one. Um, and that's what makes successful entrepreneurs, right? This resilience, um, it's not just doing the hard work, but it's, it's everything. It's, you know, it's managing a million balls in the air. And, um, and this is what got them there today. It certainly wasn't overnight and it certainly wasn't without a ton of work. I'll add to that, Dave, though, um, those million balls in the air and the resilience we developed was with the support of Innovation Factory. Um, you know, I mean, I think, we probably could have dropped a lot of balls and probably wouldn't have been juggling even the wrong ones if we hadn't had Innovation Factory in our corner um, and, and a group that actually believed in us. So for us, Innovation Factory was not only just a group we could lean into and ask questions about, but it actually created uh, a community for us of people who believed in us and who were saying, you know, this is going to be something great and, you know, helped us believe in the long vision that you know, this wasn't gonna happen overnight, as you said, and it certainly didn't. Um, but following through on your passion and doing something that you think serves a greater purpose in the world, you know, allows you to dig deeper, allows you to get up every morning, even when you're just feeling exhausted and know that you're doing the right thing. Um, and I'll say that that's what we try and encourage all of our employees to feel as well, that they're serving a bigger purpose when they work with us and that they're making a difference in the lives of community uh, and society in terms of helping to create that world served by exceptional professionals. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And please consider rating and reviewing as it helps others to find the show. 
For more information or to listen to past episodes, go to plvhamilton.com.